Hello, hello, and welcome to Today in Grief podcast with Karen Monique. I, of course, am your host, Karen Monique, and I am super excited to have you here today. We are going to jump into today's episode, so go ahead, sit back, relax, and let's get into it. Views and expressions shared on this podcast are not a reflection of the host, employer, contracted workers, family, friends, or any kind of other social or political party or involvement. They are simply the views of the host on her own, as well as any research done and shared. Sources are typically cited within the show notes or announced within the actual episode itself. Some of the topics can be sensitive for children as well as adults. Grief is heavily expressed on this podcast. Grief is a main topic on this podcast and so many subtopics that come out of grief are also shared and expressed on this podcast. So please note that views and opinions are of the host's own discretion and do not reflect anyone else that they may know or anyone else that they may be associated with or organizations that they are affiliated with. Hey y'all. So I am literally in my basement my if you've been following me you kind of know that the power in my upstairs attic which is where my office and everything is has actually been out for a little bit and uh, I just have not looked into getting that fixed I don't know what it is but I just moved to the basement um, for a bit but it's the middle of the night because I've been doing projects and I actually I usually record a couple days before or with enough time and today for some odd reason I just got really busy this week. I did a couple of projects for some clients, so I am just now getting to this the night before, but I am still committed to this, so I'm going to try to get this episode out on time tomorrow morning, Um, even though I'm recording this. Well, actually, today it's already late because it's midnight as I'm recording it, so I'm going to try to get this episode out uh, by noon today, and I want to jump kind of right into it because this topic today is super, super personal for me. And I actually have some notes here. I usually don't record from notes. I usually just kind of go on the fly. But today I I really just had to to get get my notes. And um, sidebar, for those of you who might be seeing the visual version of this, you see I'm you see I got my hands all in the camera. Y'all, I have been doing yard work for the last like 15 days. Uh built a fire pit, all that. I had cut my nails down. It was awful awful y'all if you know anything about me i love my nails kind of long i need to hear my clickety clacks right like i am just a long nail nail girl uh so today i went and got my nails done and i just feel like a whole new woman and i just thank you god i just gotta say that i was feeling homeless with them little nubs that i had on my hands my nails were so short and my hands looked crazy to me and i'm so theatrical right i talk with my hands all that and i just feel like people was noticing like girl you got them nubs And also they were breaking because I was out in the yard. I just, I don't know. But anyway, let's get to the topic. So today's topic is today in grief, we're grieving the loss of a person I never knew. Or shall I say, I'm grieving the loss of a person I never knew. So I, this, this episode is just a lot for me. I'm being super vulnerable, super transparent, and honestly, I'm recording the episode without all the facts, and that'll make a little more sense to you a little bit later. So I'm wondering in the future if I might have to come back and kind of re-record or update you all as I get more comfortable with this topic. So like I mentioned, this topic is deeply personal because I am going to open up about grieving the loss of my father whom I don't remember because he died before I turned one years old. He died in my infancy, um, which is like so crazy to me of like, wow, I am one of those people who, or shall I say, I even think about my mom. My mom was one of those people who had a baby and then the dad died and like just crazy, right? Um, so the, although if this is personal to me, I am not unaware. I am not going to act like I don't understand that many people actually do share this unique form of grief as it relates to maybe parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and even siblings who may have gone on before we got here or we were so young that we don't have vivid memories or pictures 
Oh, no. So I truly hope that by sharing my story today, I can shed some light on the challenges and the emotions that really come with this type of grief. So as I was preparing for this episode, in all honesty, I was all over the place, y'all. Like I told y'all, I've been doing stuff all week. I think partly I started to try to distract myself, to be honest, because when I decided I was going to do this topic, I think that was the other piece in me that was like, ugh. This is such a sticky topic. Do you really want to do this? So I started writing. Then I would stop. Then I would get distracted. Then I'd get my computer out and say, I'm going to record. And then I wouldn't record. I would go do something else. So I feel like I was all over the place with this episode. But um, there are just so many things that I want to touch on. And there are so many things that are unknown which made me a little hesitant and a little uncomfortable, but here we are. I'm going to put this out. Um, So just a lot of emotions are tied to this for me. But for the sake of your time and also my sanity, I'm going to break this episode into what I like to call small segments so that I can clearly articulate without a lot of the overwhelm that I had when I was planning. So I definitely kind of like broke it down very strategically. So I'm going to be reading from my notes today, which is going to be a little different feel for those of you listening than you probably have experienced with me. But first, I the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to share what I like to call the empty space in my heart. So I'm going to do a quick segment on that. Then I'm going to share a bit about the unraveling mystery around the suspicions of my father's death. Um, because, yes, he had a very suspicious death, in my opinion. Also, um, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm not even going to go all the way into that. But then I'll follow that up with a bit about the closure or lack of closure I have concerning this particular grief. And then I'll end this episode with finding healing and tips for supporting those that you may know experiencing this type of grief or if you yourself are experiencing this type of grief. But before I jump into the segments that I just shared with you, I want to give this grief its proper name. Today, I'm talking about my personal journey with not getting to know my father due to death. And this type of grief is actually called unseen grief, and it's also known as disenfranchised grief. It refers to the experience of like mourning a loss that is not readily acknowledged or socially recognized. This type of grief often involves the loss of someone or something that doesn't fit the traditional understanding of bereavement, leading to a lack of validation, often from people and support from others. The reason this fits unseen grief, in my opinion, is because many people say stuff like, you can't miss what you never had, or you can't, how can you grieve someone that you didn't even know? How can their death possibly be important to you when you didn't know them? There are just so many things that people say when they find out you're grieving the loss of a grandparent that died before you were born, or the idea of something or someone, um, which is really true. So I just wanted to get, I'm not going to go deep into that. I'll probably do an episode on disenfranchised grief or un, unseen grief at some point, but I wanted to just give it a little bit of context for you and why you might be feeling this if you are someone like me who's experiencing this type of grief and you're like, is this real? Is this validated? Yes, it's valid. It absolutely is. So let's jump right into the segments that I talked about. So the very first segment is this empty space in my heart. So honestly, I would say the empty space in my heart has its moments when it exists. And then there are moments when I believe it doesn't exist. I have gone years longing for my father or a father figure in general. And then I have gone a decade without really thinking about it. Like, it's really crazy. Like, I'll go long on stints of like, yo, when was the last time I thought about my dad? When was the last time I thought about having a dad? Like, it'll be years or something because it's it's so un it's so foreign to me, right? But then I would also say um, I've always known and noticed that I didn't have a father, but it did not seem to hinder my life in the ways that I recognize now at that time, right? So I was raised by a single mom who did her thing, like my mama. I don't really have many complaints about my mom. She did her thing. We, you know, we had our tips. She was a mama, um, but my mama did her thing. And, and I, I really appreciate having had the time that I did have with her. If you don't know, um, my mom is also deceased. She died in 2021, but um, my father was not a topic of discussion in our home, which is really interesting, right? Like what's that about care, right? So this left me to my own interpretations, my own assumptions. Um, Really growing up, I assumed my dad was a bad man. I'll tell you why. 
I'm not going to go too deep in this segment, but the manner in which he died was one of the reasons that I thought this. I'll share a bit about that later. But also, I remember being young. And y'all don't judge my mama. My mama's going on in glory. But I remember being young, like eight or nine, maybe 10. And I remember looking up towards heaven and I said, Dad, I wish you were here. But y'all know my mama looked me square in my face. And she said, you look in the wrong way. Y'all, I remember that. Like, I was a kid and I remember that. And my mama was a jokester. She really was. My mom, she made, you know, snide comments. Uh, she had a real smart mouth at times. She was, she was literally a jokester, though. She made jokes. Like, she was funny. But she was kind of serious in that moment. Like, I, that's, a, that's a memory in my mind. And I think it's also one of the reasons I never really talked about my dad. Because I was like, oh, wait a minute. He can go to heaven. I don't really, you know, I don't know. You know, my mama didn't really have a heaven or a hell to put my dad in. But she definitely harbored some feelings for this very dead man uh, 10 years later. Because I was, I'm old enough to remember. I remember being a child. Um, but 10 years later, she she let those words come out of her mouth and she meant it. So there definitely was something there. There was something really deep there about my dad. I would later find out, like, this year, not even holding y'all up, like a couple weeks ago, uh, I found out that my dad didn't treat my mom the greatest. In part, it was due to his struggles with drugs that I found out about. Now, I didn't know he had some struggles with drugs. Uh, he had some addictions and things like that. Now, that was something that I, I was aware of. And I'm not using that as an excuse, but it was necessary information for me to see the, to understand that there was a huge shift in my mom and my dad's relationship after they had been together. Me and my brother are 10 years apart. My mom and my brother, my, my me and my brother have the same mom and dad. My dad changed quite a bit, apparently, after he got addicted to drugs and things like that. And this was later when I came around. Um, so I don't have all the full details, but I do know that that was a, a piece. My dad had a, a, a change in life that really played a role. Um, but let me sit there for a second. As I talk about having an empty space in my heart because I didn't know my dad, but then to find out that the empty space is for someone who really kind of might not have even been a great person. Y'all, that's tough. Like, I was writing about that in my journal. Like, I feel a little guilty loving and missing somebody who might not have been a good person. Because I didn't really have a choice. Like, I can choose that now with people who are living. I... I can see, feel, touch, understand maybe some of why they might not be a great person. I really don't know with my dad. I'm making a lot of assumptions and it's a lot of hearsay, he say, she say, right? Um, but even the fact that he had addictions that he didn't get help from bothers me too of like, wow, my dad was young. Like my dad was not an old man. I want to say he might have been in his late 20s when he died. He might have been 30, maybe 30. Like 30, he was no older than I believe, like 34. He was a young person, like a young adult um, when he died. So it's just like, ah, he had so much life that he could have lived. But I don't know. God always has his plan, right? Maybe my dad was not a good person. He needed to go, right? You know, I think about that too. Um, and it's like, you know, did my dad dying heal and save me and my family in some way? I don't know. We're going to get into that a little bit when we talk about the uh, mystery around my dad's death. But yeah, like I think about that piece as well. But because we didn't talk about my dad in my home, this was also never really addressed. I would hear bits and pieces from folks about kind of like the person my dad was, how drugs had come up before. And I believe this is honestly one of the reasons that I am how I am. So I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any kind of drugs or alcohol. And I have a fear of addictions. I really do. Because I've seen the statistics around them. And literally, I've I know living and breathing individuals who are struggling with addiction, who may live with addiction every day. Um, so I don't see it as a bad thing for me, but even people be like, you don't do it socially. I absolutely hate it. Well, first of all, alcohol, I hate the taste. I don't know how y'all do that. I'm not going to go on a soapbox about it, but there's that piece. And um, yeah, I just have a really big fear of addiction. And also, I mean, I know people do crazy stuff with drugs and alcohol, and I just don't have the time for it. I just really don't. So anyway, before I get too far into that, because that is not what this episode is about, I want to talk a bit about how the absence of my biological father and a father figure in general really impacted me. 
So now I did have a very active God dad who was around, which was my dad's best friend. His name was Columbus. And he actually, y'all, he passed away the week of my wedding. Talk about tragic for me. How crazy is that? Like him and my brother were going to walk me down the aisle. Crazy, right? So his funeral was actually the day of my wedding. So I didn't even get to attend. So he was Catholic. So there was this like, there was a whole lot of things. Like the time he had to be buried at a certain time. It was a lot of things. But anyway, let me tell y'all a quick story about Columbus, uh, about my goddad. So I remember I was dating. So my mom let me have a little boyfriend in eighth grade, right? I'm 14. I don't know what I don't know what we was doing because we was always with our parents. Uh, we was sitting on the porch together. Uh, we would go over each other's houses, but you know our parents were there or whatever. But we I called myself having a little boyfriend. But let me let me talk about little, right? So my boyfriend in the eighth grade, he was also in the eighth grade. He was six feet tall though, y'all. I remember I had a best friend at the time, and my <laughs> I was scared to have him call my house because he he looked older and he he had a very deep voice like so I would have my best friend this was back when three-way was happening I would have my best friend call the house and then she would uh call him and chime him in and one day my mom got on the phone she picked up the other receiver and she said who is this grown man you talking to and I said he's not a grown man I said he in my class so my mom was adamant about meeting him she said well tomorrow at school then since he in your class uh he better be walking you to the car so I can meet him since he on my phone so sure enough, he did. And my mama was like, she she was like, he in eighth grade. Like she couldn't believe it because he was really tall. That was really it. He was a tall, bigger guy. Six feet, y'all. I'm still, I'm still a little bit in awe that I dated somebody six feet in the eighth grade. We were 14 years old. Anyway, so um, I remember we were dating, whatever. Y'all, it's a joke because we really, I don't know what that relationship was. But anyway, um, I took him over to Columbus's house, to my goddad's house one day. And y'all, I had heard about it in movies. I had, you know, people talk about it. Y'all, Columbus had a gun. Now, he, now y'all listen, he didn't go shooting, nothing like that. But he came to the door with it. And I was just like, yo, like he, my boyfriend at that time was like, I'm a backup. And I was like, now that I look back, I'm like, why do we feel the need to do that? To overprotect in some ways, young girls from young boys. Um, I don't know, like just the innocent. When I think about the innocence of our relationship at that time for me and him, I just think it was overkill, right? It was it was a lot for him to come. And, you know, he didn't he didn't point it at him or anything, but he like had it in his hand and I was so embarrassed, y'all. And Columbus did not believe he was in the eighth grade. That's how like legit, like that's how legit tall this man was or boy at the time. And he was like, no, he said, I'm not, I'm not believing it, not believing it. And Columbus really legit was like, how many years did he get held back? And I'm like, none. We are the same exact age. He's four months older than me. That's it. Like he was born in February. I was born in June. That's it. And um, anyway, so that was just kind of, now I laugh at that story a little bit, but it was so problematic, right? So, so problematic now that I think about it. Because if I had a son and somebody walked up to the door with a gun, you got to you got to deal with me. You got to come see about me. But anyway, it was it was just so dramatic. Like, it, anyway, but I'm assuming that's what dads did as we talk about this subject, right? Because I don't know my dad. I never had a dad. I don't know if that's normal behavior for dads, but it felt in, insane to me at the time. So anyway. Let's get back to the meat of this story. We off that little tangent. So my goddad and my godmom, they would actually have me over for like sleepovers, holidays, all that good stuff. I, I got to see them quite often. It was truly like I was kind of like their weekend and holiday kid, but not like in a bad way. Like I had god siblings, like god sisters and everything or have. they. I still have them. One of them has passed away, but I still have um, god sisters. So even though I didn't experience a father living in my home and I never truly got to interact in the way like dads and daughters did, my goddad was a close enough call for me at that time when I really reflect on that. And really more often than not, I didn't think about the fact that I didn't have a dad around until I was in like late middle school, I believe. There were like daddy-daughter dances at that time. Those had become a thing and become kind of popular. Dads taking their daughters on school trips and people began to ask me if I would be attending and where my dad was. 
And one thing I can honestly say is it was always comfortable saying my dad was dead because that was my reality. All I ever knew was him as a deceased man. Now, I wasn't super comfortable telling the story of how he died because I really didn't know it that young, but I was totally comfortable saying my dad is dead. Like I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think negative of it. I didn't, I just didn't have any emotion tied to it at that time. So when people would ask, I would say my dad is dead. And then that would be that. Or people would ask, you know, well, how did he die? What happened? And then we, conversations would, they would go lots of different ways depending on how I was feeling that day. But I really spent years kind of like ignoring the idea that having a present or even an alive dad was important. So there's another piece, right? Because there are people who grieve and mourn dads who are alive and just aren't present. And then there are people who are grieving dads who literally aren't present. They're dead. They're gone, right? Like my situation. And because this has always been my reality, I was kind of brushing it off as if it wasn't impacting me, like as if it was normal reality. And what really was happening is I never knew what it felt like to look into a dad's eyes. So I would ignore that, right? I never knew what a dad's embrace was like. So I would act like that didn't matter. I never knew what it felt like to disappoint or to make a dad proud. So I would just act like that. I didn't need to do those things, right? That didn't matter. So those were actually big deals for me. And it took me years to even address the fact that I secretly, y'all, I secretly envied some of the girls and even women that I knew who would openly speak of the beauty of the relationships with their dads. Like they loved their dads. Like they would say, I'm a daddy's girl. I love my dad. I can't wait for my dad to do this. And I would be like, oh, you know, I would have a little envy in my heart around that. And I didn't realize, you know, that that's how it was playing out. But that's really what it was. I'm grown and can be very transparent and reflective now. But as I reflect, I don't remember being around a lot of other girls growing up who had deceased fathers. So I think that's the other piece is what was normal for me was not normal for everybody else or didn't seem normal for everybody else. Maybe they were around. I do remember one young lady whose dad died while we were in elementary school. And I remember she was devastated. We were in fifth grade. Devastated. And I just remember she was my friend. I didn't even know how to console her. I just kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that he died. Like, I was just like, I don't, I don't know what else to say because I really did it. Right. And she was experiencing a really heavy grief at such a young age. But anyway, I just didn't have a recollection of a lot of girls who didn't have fathers who were alive. Now I knew, I knew a lot of girls whose fathers were absent and they they had they knew who they were they harbored these feelings toward them they got to see them and talk to them but it just wasn't very pleasant but not dead ones and that was something that I started to reflect on so I do recall some girls who shared about having what we call deadbeats and absent fathers like I mentioned and of course I really do think their stories matter but at that time I definitely saw them differently than me I was like yeah their dads hurt them but their dads are making a choice my dad didn't have a choice. He simply did. So there was no gray area in that for me. Him being dead caused me pain that I am now in my 30s just now grieving and expressing, right? So I felt like I was dealt an unfair hand growing up. And especially being in a home where he wasn't even talked about, it was like a layer on top of it. So that was truly difficult once I got older and decided that I really wanted to know more about him. I also missed out on the opportunity to grow up with my sister, y'all. Yes, I got a sis Um, because Papa was a rolling stone, y'all. I have a sister the same age as me. What they call them? Ghetto twins, Irish twins. I don't know. They call them, this probably is not even politically correct, but I've heard different things being called. But yeah, me and my sister are the same age. Um, And this definitely speaks a bit to probably why my mom did not really have an affinity or bang with that man anymore after his death. Now that I'm looking back, I've heard there were other things too, but his death caused me and my sister to miss out on one another's lives because we were left to these two women who didn't talk to each other, didn't like each other. And let me tell y'all something else. Me and my sister are five months apart, born five months apart. Me and my sister are moms. So as we got older, I will show this little tidbit. We, me and my sister have a relationship now. We also had a relationship with each other's moms. Like our like our moms didn't talk, but we like I called her mom mom, she called my mom mom, all that. Like we ended up having a relationship with each other's moms. Me and my sister are five months apart. 
do you know our moms died five months apart? Crazy, right? Like, just stuff like that. I think about stuff like that. But anyway, um, yeah. Maybe I'll have my sister on the show one day so that we can really break down that relationship, what that looks like for us now, what it was like, um, even kind of growing up so differently. But um, yeah, I don't want to tell her story. I, I really want to allow her to do that. But one thing I do want to point out is one of the things about building a relationship with somebody as an adult, especially somebody you're related to, somebody that you should have a really good relationship with, it can be difficult. When you are, you grew up so opposite and you have this shared experience though of this dead dad and it's like, we should get to know each other. We should probably like each other. We should probably try to be friends, right? And we we had to really navigate that. We didn't meet until we were 18 years old. Well, we had met as children, young, young children. Our aunt um, had us together at times, but I don't remember any of that. It's totally blocked out of my head, maybe trauma, I don't know. Um, but we really started to intentionally get a relationship at 18 years old. So anyway, maybe I'll have her come on the show. So I won't do, dig too deep in that. But I will say this, my my sister grew up with pictures of my dad in her home. Her mom acknowledged and talked about him. He was still very much dead, but she got nuggets of who he was at times, which was completely different from my house. So I want to close up this section by also sharing how my dad's absence kind of caused me to sometimes shift into what I like to call mean girl era. Um, I am no longer a mean girl, um, but I'm not going to act like I wasn't at one point in life, right? I've always been super strong, always been very opinionated, but I really recall times, young, young me, right? I'm not talking about high school mean. I'm not talking about me who really could make sense of things developmentally. I'm talking about nine, seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year-old elementary school me. Right. I'm talking about that. I had a mean girl era where I could recall times where girls were speaking of their fathers and like I would make up mean things to say. I would attempt to place insecurities on them that really they were my insecurities. And I'm not proud of this, but I'm honest about it. I'm grown far removed from that now. But being so super young and not really knowing how to deal with like my dad is dead and I want to be a part of this conversation or I feel like I should be a part of this conversation. I didn't really know how to navigate that. So I would push my way into the conversation by shutting the conversation down. Oftentimes that was really my reality. So I'm going to leave that there and I'm going to close up that section because I really want to get into kind of a little bit of the heart of why I think my grief with my dad is a little interesting. So let's move on to unraveling the mystery. Um, So the mystery around my dad's death. Um, where do I even start? So y'all, I only have bits and pieces of the story and much of it I had to place together on my own. I don't have the full complete story, but I am looking into it. I'm doing my research. I'm trying to figure all this out. What I do know is that I could sit down with my aunt and my godmom if I wanted to, and I could probably get some really clear answers. But I don't even know the questions that I really want to ask or if I really want the answers based on their experience of them, right? These are people who loved him in a very intimate and special way, like his best friend, one of his best friend's wife and his biological sister. You know, are they going to tell me the truth about my dad? Are they going to sugarcoat? Because they can around keeping my dad's image or what could be his image alive. So, you know, that's something I could talk to them about too um, as well. But I don't know. I just, I'm just not ready for that conversation. But those are two people that I know I could sit down and probably get some really, really good answers about my dad. But anyway, what do I know? So I'm using air quotes on what do I know? Um, because as I said earlier, my dad was on drugs, but he was a functioning drug addict. He kept a job, apparently. He came home every day or, you know, whatever that looked like, right? He wasn't, like, absent. Like, it wasn't like people didn't know where he was. He was going to work, all that good stuff, right? But around the time of his death, I was told that my dad had robbed a Tubby's. And if you're unfamiliar with Tubby's, Tubby's was like Subway, essentially. Back in the day, it was a sandwich shop. A little, orange, I mean, a little yellow sandwich shop. It had like a Tubby's man, like a, a sailor or whatever, holding a sub. But it was a, a sandwich shop is essentially what it was. He was apparently caught after robbing this Tubby's and he went to jail. 
And from what I understand, he was killed by the police, by a police officer while he was in jail. Now, the other story that I've also heard that my family was told was that my dad hung himself in jail. But here's the thing. His roommate from jail said, or prison, said otherwise. Now, here's where it goes. Like, it gets a little scary. So my mom was actually the person, apparently, that went to identify my dad's body at the morgue or wherever he was. And y'all, side note, I found out, so my mom was a teacher, right? My mom's school was in this building on Connor. I'm from Detroit on the east side. It was on Connor. My mom worked in this building for six years, y'all. I found out one day that that used to be the place, the morgue, where they kept bodies. My mom worked in the same hallway. She walked down to identify my dad's body. And I said that to her when I found that out, I think my brother or my cousin had told me. And I asked my mom about it. She said, yeah. And I said, you don't think about that? She said, yeah. She said, I think about every time I come in this building, I remember that this building used to be that. And I was just like, yo. Like, I didn't even know how to process the fact that my mom walked in that building for six years every day and taught kids in the hallway that used to apparently be where create it's craziness in my mind. But I won't stay on that. Um because my mom's not here to even share that story. But yeah, it was, the story goes that he hung himself for whatever reason, right? But here's the thing. My mom, when she identified his body, she said that his larynx or whatever the thing is in your throat, she said it was severed. The report, the coroner's report and everything said it was severed, not from like a hanging. Apparently if, it, if you get hung, like your neck would snap and it would be cut in a different way. And my dad's was severed. Like he was like choked. Um, and it was interesting, right? Because apparently my dad's roommate in prison was supposed to be doing a longer stint than he actually did. He ended up getting out not too long after my dad died because, and then my mom and apparently my family were trying to like talk to him about it. And he, he was on the hush hush about whatever really happened. So not only did he get out of prison way sooner than he was supposed to, when me, my sister, and my brother, when we all turned 18, we got a settlement from the state of Michigan. Why? I asked my mom, I said, what's this money? You know, we got some kind of, you know, settlement when we turned 18 for my father's passing. And I said, well, what's this about? And never really looked into it. So now I'm doing my research. So I might come back with it in another episode and really tell you all what I found out. But if he killed himself, why would we get some kind of settlement at 18? Unless something, y'all not telling us something about what actually happened. So I'm, I'm going to be honest, y'all. I'm really believing story number one, where my father was killed in prison, actually. And they covered it up in some kind of way, bought my family out bought the roommate out, whatever. And um, I was so young, remember? I wasn't even one years old. I was an a infant, infant, like a, a small baby. So I have no kind of advocacy, right? For that, I had no, no buy-in to that. Even my brother at 10 years old, my brother still, he, like when I talked to him about it, he just still doesn't really remember a lot of, like there was not a lot of conversation that was had with my brother either. It was just kind of, he found out that my dad was dead and they just kind of navigated that piece with him, not what actually happened, how it happened, what's really going on. He wasn't a part of any of that. So both me, my brother, and, well, all three of us, me, my brother and my sister, none of us really have the deep, deep, intricate details of that. But um, that's what I know or what I've, that's what I have thus far, right? So with that, I've been really experiencing grief with that story in mind that my dad, although was, you know, robbing into drugs, all that, maybe not the nicest human alive. Did he have to die? You know, why? You know, if he was murdered, why? Like I, I do the why piece. I do have curiosity around. I do care about the why. And I know some people might not, but I, I actually do a little bit care about the why. And hopefully one day I will find out the why or, you know, get deep into what that looks like. I'm not going to make this my life's mission. I'm, I'm going to tell y'all that now, but I, I am going to spend a little time digging into what can unfold from that story because, you know, maybe it could bring some closure for me. 
But what I will say, one of the most emotional things for me when I think about my dad is that I only have one picture and it's the picture from his obituary. Y'all, it's a picture from my dad's obituary. That's all I have. And I don't even know what the picture is. He was dressed up. He had on a suit. I have no clue where he was going. Nothing. I don't. It's just this one picture that I have. But actually, you know what? No, let me go back. Let me back up. I have two pictures because there is a picture of my mom, my dad, and my brother. They took photo, family photos way before I was born. My brother was like three in this picture, right? So I wasn't even thought of. I'm, you know, seven years later, here I come. But I do also have that picture. But that's it. I don't, there's not a lot of memory, reflection, anything about my dad. And that's something that I probably could ask my aunt about, Her, his sister. She probably has pictures that I'm, I can almost guarantee she has some pictures probably that I could look at, copy, whatever, right? So anyway, let's move into this third segment that I, I mentioned I was going to go into, grief without closure, right? So some of the complexities around me grieving my dad, me never like really meeting him. One of the things that makes me sad is like, or what feels really complex is like, there were no memories. I have literally zero memories. I was like, I would have loved to, even if I just had one memory, whether it was good or bad, two or three memories. Like I have, I was so young that I have absolutely no memories. I have a made up version of my dad in my head. That's crazy, right? To be this grown, and be using my imagination, which, you know, I would say you should have some imagination, right? You should do that as an adult. You shouldn't just lose your imagination. But to be this grown and to have to use my imagination in this way is a little uncomfortable. It's disheartening um, in a lot of ways. And it makes me feel sometimes like my grief is not valid because I'm grieving and I'm sad about the fact that I didn't get to know this man. I'm not grieving him. I'm grieving the fact that I didn't know him. So it's like he's almost the placeholder for the grief, right? So that's complex, right? And I'm actually, I've been talking to my therapist about it, but I'm really going to deep dive, I think, over the next couple of weeks as I begin to think about and process how, I, how much I want to open myself up to, like I mentioned earlier, researching what actually happened to my dad, um, because that's going to open up, I imagine, maybe some wounds, could open up more questions. It could, you know, validate what I know. It could dismantle what I know. I have no clue, but I really want to do the self-work that's involved in that before I start digging. So I'm going to do some of that with my therapist. And that's even a complex idea. That's a complex thought. That's a complex process for me of like doing the work of preparing to do the work of getting answers that I do not even know if I want. Maybe, just maybe I want those answers. But really, one of the things that I long for is the memories of my dad. Um, also, I would say the questions that I have, being able to craft, they don't have to necessarily be perfect questions, but I don't want to waste energy, time or resources in figuring out who my dad was. And that in itself is a process for me of like, what do I want to ask? How do I want to ask it? Who do I want to know this from, right? Do I want to literally interview who's left, right? Because all of my brothers, all my dad's brothers are dead. Literally, I have my aunt. She's the only one left. Um, there's nobody else on that side. My grandparents are gone. It's just my aunt. And then like my generation, like their kids are around, but not none of the siblings. And then on my mom's side, my oldest aunt does remember my dad and she'll share bits and pieces, you know, of him, but she doesn't have really good memories of my dad. She only knows the pieces that my mom shared or, you know, I, I found out recently that they lived, my aunt lived on the block with my dad. That's how my mom even met him. I didn't know that. I thought my mom and my dad met at school. Apparently my dad was a bad boy. He wasn't in no school. Like, I was like, mom, I was just like, oh, my daddy wasn't in school. Like, no, he wasn't in school. When your mama was in school, your daddy was out in the streets. Like I heard my aunt said that your mama liked bad boys. And so she said, I will say that your daddy was a bad boy. And she said my dad was really handsome. And he was. I've seen a picture. But she said your dad was handsome. He was very, very handsome, very well spoken. But he was not, he was not for the, I don't cuss y'all, but for the, the bad. Like he was not for the, you weren't going to play with him. I'm going to just say that. Okay. But anyway, um, that's just from what I've heard from my aunt. 
But I've had just so many, like a range of emotions, which has not allowed me, if I'm being transparent, to have any closure with my grief. We're talking 30 something years, y'all. My dad has been dead 30 something years. And I have no closure. I still have no closure. But with that, I will say that I have hope, okay? I am finding a lot of healing through accepting the fact that this is just the hand that I was dealt. But having a growth mindset and not a fixed mindset also tells me that even though I was dealt this hand of not having a father or my father not being alive, um, to see me grow up and to experience life and all of those things. One of the things, one of the things that I actually do have though, is a lot of love that was shared with me from other people. I see, I know my dad's family. Like I grew up with my dad's family, just not my sister. Um, so I, I didn't lose my dad's side of the family. I just lost my dad. So I find a lot of acceptance in that, in that my dad's family didn't throw me away when my dad died. Like, my I literally saw my aunt a couple weeks ago. Like we go to events together. I still go to her house. Like we celebrate life together. Like all those things, like very, very actively a part of my life. So I do find a lot of healing in that. Because I ignored it for so long, um, I just even being around my dad's family, I didn't talk to my dad's family about my dad. I just went over there as me, as care. I was just their cousin, their niece. Their, you know, their friend. Like I was just that. I didn't, I wasn't there because I was James's daughter in my mind. That was my dad's name, James. But now that my mom has died, I don't know if I've just gotten a boldness about it because not that my mom didn't allow me to talk about him. She just didn't engage with it. You could bring, I could bring up my dad all I wanted. And she was going to say, I'm not talking about him. You, you are welcome to explore, but I don't, I don't have anything to share which I get in terms of as it relates to me, right? My mom's experience was as it related to her. She couldn't tell me how my dad was with me because my dad was dead when I got here. Like, well, he was, you know, he died after I got here, but very, I was very, very young. Um, so I, I don't really hold that against my mom, but I do sometimes wonder, I think it's interesting that now I have, now that both my parents are gone, I have an, an eagerness and an energy around wanting to find out who my dad was and what really happened to him. Um, and also, I mean, maybe it's to fill some kind of void. Maybe this is just what grief does, right? And then like I mentioned earlier, um, I'm also finding some healing through talking to my therapist. And y'all, she probably about to, I'm about to give her the work, okay? She probably about to be like, sis, uh-uh. <laughs> my, my therapist is a real one, but, uh, and, and she's a great therapist, don't get me wrong, but she's probably, she in for, she in for some info. So she probably about to be like, girl, what? What is you saying to me? You want to do what? Are you sure you want to do that very thing? And I'm going to be like, yeah, I want to do that thing. So help me be okay with doing that thing. And she'll, she'll help me. I'm sure she will. <laughs> but I do want to um, kind of close up this episode with talking a bit about just a couple tips on how you can support individuals that you may know who are experiencing unseen grief or if you yourself are. It is really essential, I would say, to acknowledge and validate their feelings, your feelings, right? Regardless of the circumstances surrounding the loss, like me not even knowing anything, don't invalidate me. Like it's, it's simple. I, my dad died. I don't like that a lot. Like I really want to know what happened. I'm also really sad that he died. Empathy is okay. Like it's okay for you to not understand somebody's unseen grief and still offer empathy, right? Offer compassion, a listening ear, you can create a safe space for them to express their emotions and begin the healing process. Grieving alone is not always great. I'm going to just tell y'all. Now, sometimes it's needed, but it's not always great. Safe spaces for people to grieve with other people, to feel supported by people are so, so valid and so, so important. And also understanding the uniqueness of each person's grief and being sensitive to their needs is going to be valuable, right? That can go a long way in providing meaningful support. So, of course, there are several misconceptions about unseen grief that I don't want to gloss over. I do want to just touch those real quick, um, which can make it challenging for those who are experiencing it to navigate emotions and find support. So, like I mentioned earlier, people say stuff. One of the things I've heard people say is you didn't know them, so you can't really grieve, right? One of the most like prevalent misconceptions is that you can only grieve for someone you had a personal relationship with. Y'all, we grieve celebrities. 
We grieve people, the ideas of people, pets, all kinds of things. Like, no, it's it's not not valid. It's valid, right? Unseen grief is valid and it's real. It involves the loss of a person, a potential relationship or a future that will never come to be. That's vital, right? We hear people say stuff like, you should move on. Somebody literally told me the other day, like, it's been 30 something years. Like, don't even think about it. Like, just, just don't think about it. Don't open that up. Why? Why not? I'm, I'm mature enough now. I'm old enough now. I'm far enough removed away from it. 30 something years is enough time for me to be like, okay, you know, what I find out is what I find out. It's nothing I can do about it. Not only is he dead, it's been over 30 years. I'm pretty sure anything probably legally that I could do, all that stuff is gone, right? So I'm not going to open up a can of worms. I'm opening up information. That's really what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm, I'm grieving. I'm trying to find closure and healing in this grief in some ways, right? By finding information. So I'm not going to just move on quickly because society often expects people to move on from unseen grief really fast. I've also heard, well, it's not as painful as other types of grief. Y'all, what? (laughs) People might assume that unseen grief is less painful than losing someone that you knew well. However, it can be just as profound. It really can. It can involve dreams, hopes, expectations, and of course, like I said, that future that'll never be. Your future is shattered because you don't have that person to share those things with. Somebody wrote on a status I made the other day about my dad too. They were like, "Um, you should just try to focus on the positive. Huh. Although it was well-intended, And sometimes, you know, that can be encouraging. Only focusing on the positives, to me, ignores my pain. And I am not a person that ignores my pain. Not in this season. Not in this season of heavy grief, right? I am grieving my mom who died two years ago. Like, someone I knew my whole life. So I have a, I'm grieving two people who gave birth to me, who gave me life in two very different experiences. One died before I got to know them. One died after I knew them deeply. So I am not going to ignore my pain because that seems easier. It's just, it it just doesn't work for me. So that, even though I think that, I think it was well-intended. I didn't know this person. It was just a random person um, who posted. I think it was well-intended. It just wasn't useful. It wasn't helpful. So be cautious of just telling somebody to focus on the positives. Also, you'll forget about it over time. Y'all, just don't ever say that. Don't ever, in any kind of grief. I'm not even going to elaborate. Just don't say that to people. Do not tell people over time it's going to get easier. It might not. That's You don't know that. That's not a fact, you all. It's not an actual fact. You'll forget about it. No, it's not a fact. Leave that alone, okay? Another thing I've heard people say is it wasn't a real loss. Y'all, don't say that to people. Comfort. Give people comfort. If you don't know how to do anything else, you know what? I'm sorry that you didn't get to meet that person. That is very unfair. I really do hope you can grieve through this healthily. Like, it can be downplayed. Don't downplay it. And then also, don't tell people you should be strong and not show emotions. Oh my goodness, y'all. Allow people to show emotions, okay? So I know I gave y'all the tips kind of the opposite way, right? I gave y'all the tips based on things I've heard people say, especially to me around unseen grief, but I just gave you the tips on don't say those things, right? Or how to combat some of those things that you hear people say or things like that. I want you to understand the misconceptions because they can really help you. They can help your friends, your family, whoever might be dealing with grief. And it can allow society to really be more empathetic and supportive of those of us experiencing unseen grief. It's crucial that we recognize that grief is a natural response to loss. No matter what, it's a natural response to loss. And regardless of the circumstances surrounding that loss, offering understanding, compassion, and a listening ear can make a significant difference in someone's healing process. So I just want you all to know that I'm grateful that you all listened to my story today. I'm imagining at some point I'm going to do a part two because I am about to invest a little bit of time into figuring out the mysteries around my grief with my dad and also his death, his mysterious death. Uh, But thank you for tuning in every week with me. Thank you for listening, for sharing. 
and y'all rocking with me. We are, this is episode 10, y'all. I have made it 10 episodes. Oh my goodness. Maybe I need to make some kind of like, I don't know, big post about it, but 10 episodes, y'all, of me talking about grief. I've shared with other people all that. I don't take it lightly that y'all rocking with me, so I'm super grateful. And with that, I'm going to leave you all with a quote. Unseen grief runs deep like an underground river, invisible but powerful, shaping the landscape of our souls, unknown. I will see you all or hear from you all hear from me in next week's episode. Have a good day. And as always, I would love to give a shout out to Be Cold Productions who created our intro music. The song is called Still I Rise, which we absolutely love. Shout out to Kawan Monique Photography, who is the visionary and the person behind all of the photography that you see in association to the podcast. Of course, this podcast is self-produced currently by myself. So give me grace in this. I am really, really working on this. And if you are looking for a tool or a really awesome resource to put your grief down, for moments at a time, check out the Here's Why I Grieve journal, which I published last year, and that is linked within our show notes as well. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Today in Grief Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Today in Grief Pod. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at Today in Grief Podcast at gmail.com. All of these are also linked within our show notes. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating. Anything negative or challenging that you might have to say, go ahead and put that in the inbox. I can take it, I promise. Uh, but let's leave all the positivity on the outside and let's go ahead and put all the criticisms directly to who you want to talk to which would be me and I promise to respond as always I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode I truly truly uh, love you I truly believe in you I am excited for the healing that you are going to do and continue to come back here every Friday as we heal and hurt together on the Today in Grief podcast with Care Monique